Good afternoon, and welcome to Spokane Public Radio's Northwest Arts Review, a half hour exploring the people, places, and events forming the rich arts tapestry we enjoy here in the inland Northwest and our wider Intermountain Northwest region. I'm Jim Zavanen, pleased to be your guide on this journey. Today, Chris Massini welcomes Trent Reedy and Jawad Arash, two writers from opposite sides of the globe who are collaborators on a new young adult novel, Enduring Freedom. Dan Webster reviews Without Remorse, the latest Tom Clancy screen adaptation, and we have music from the Girgis family, performers in our latest kids concert. That's what's ahead on this edition of Northwest Arts Review. For Spokane Public Radio, I'm Chris Massini. Today I'm talking with two authors, Trent Reedy and Jawad Arash. Their new novel for young adults is called Enduring Freedom, and it tells the story of an unlikely friendship between two teenagers, one an American soldier and the other an Afghan civilian. Both lives are turned upside down by the terrorist attack of September 11, 2001, and then thrown together by the war that followed. The story is inspired by the author's real-life experiences and friendship. Trent Reedy served as a combat engineer in the Iowa Army National Guard. He's the author of several books for young readers, including Words in the Dust, Gamer Army, and the Divided We Fall trilogy. He also writes a weekly military life column for the Washington Examiner and lives with his family outside Spokane. And Jawad Arash is joining us via Zoom from his home country of Afghanistan. He is a teacher. He began teaching English while still in high school and later earned a bachelor's in English and a master's degree in linguistics and teaching English as a second language. Enduring Freedom is his debut novel. Trent Reedy and Jawad Arash, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's an honor to uh, be able to speak to you. So I want to start by introducing the two main characters of the novel, Enduring Freedom, Bahir and Joe, and they're based loosely on the two of you. So why don't we get an introduction from each of you to the character based upon yourself? Jawad, why don't we start with you since he opens the book? Okay, so uh, Bahir is is uh, after 9-11 and the, uh, during the Taliban period. He was unsure of what he's doing, and uh, therefore he ends up working on a farm, which quite depicts what uh, I have done. But he is uh, is ent- enthusiastic in in uh, for education. So so actually, uh, his his character uh, develops as he uh, meets Joe and 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 the influence that Joe's interaction would have. Uh, on on his decisions and and most likely his uh, future. Yeah, and Trent, tell us about Joe Killian. Uh, Joe Killian is uh, he is a uh, he's a young high school man in in Iowa and uh, also 
a member of the Iowa Army National Guard. And then this attack happens, the September 11th attacks. And uh, to his horror, he realizes not only is he watching these horrific events unfold uh, live on television, he suddenly realizes that he is an American soldier. Uh, and so his service eventually, like so many uh, military personnel over the last 20 years, was uh, deployed to Afghanistan. And he takes his negative attitudes with him. And this is, a, um, so I'm really ashamed about the attitudes that I had when I first arrived in Afghanistan. I was very angry. I was terrified. I was so frightened. And so that's where PFC uh, Joe Killian starts his journey. But um, you know what happens is you, um, well, you meet people like Jawad, right? And I couldn't keep the anger up. And I had to admit that, uh, you know, uh, people like Jawad are not the enemy. They suffered from the Taliban and Al-Qaeda more than I ever would. Uh, so the story is about for the American protagonist, Joe Killian, it's about a journey from anger and, uh, and, and really a, a sort of ignorance to a better understanding and an inner peace. It's sort of a paradox that he finds a lot more peace in his own life uh, by going through a often difficult war experience. So that is PFC Joe Killian. I'm talking with Trent Reedy and Jawad Arash. They're the authors of a new novel for young adult readers, Enduring Freedom. It's based on their friendship forged during the war in Afghanistan in the early 2000s. And so the two characters develop a friendship that, as you said, is at first based on sort of mutual mistrust and misunderstanding and prejudice from both sides. But the perspective switches back and forth between the two characters. So you get to see the misunderstanding from both sides and sort of understand that neither side really understands where it's coming from. I'm curious about the writing process. Did you switch off writing chapters from each character or, um, you know, were you editing each other back and forth to make sure it fit together? How did that process work? Uh, actually, we, um, the way we wrote was uh, each, each one of us wrote the chapter for our protagonist. And then uh, we switched in order to see whether uh, like the storyline meets and the timeline of the characters and, and the, the events are, are uh, correlated. And uh, because I, I believe Bahir's character is so much Jawad. So it, I, I want to make sure that every single thing was as close to the reality as possible. I, I think this this Afghan character is the closest and any Afghan novel can be. All almost all the scenes have been present. Yeah. And after I would read some of Jawad's material in particular, because eventually, of course, the novel shifts and, and we leave America behind as Joe goes to the war. And so it's so it's all in Afghanistan. Some of the things about Afghanistan I understood from having been there so I could clarify those things uh, for an American audience, maybe American readership who hasn't been to Afghanistan. But there, but what's great about Enduring Freedom is that there's all kinds of stuff. Afghans are very private people. As a result, there's, there's a lot of things about Afghanistan that I did not understand. So I would have to ask Jawad 
um, hey, you know, what is what does this mean here? Why are why are these Afghan people doing this? And then he would explain. But the other challenge, of course, was that we're writing from different sides of the planet, yeah. um, just you know, physically. So I during my day, Jawad goes to sleep, uh, and, you know, and vice versa. So there's a little bit of time. Uh, overlap when we would discuss, okay, well, I'm going to go to sleep now. While I'm asleep, you work on this and this and, and these chapters, and then I'll get up and I'll, I'll see what you did. And then I'll, I'll add my part. We talked about how the book starts with the September 11th attacks, which are coming up on their 20th anniversary. And this book is meant primarily for teenagers and young adults, many of whom were not even born at the time. And it de- also doesn't shy away from the realities of war I'm curious, how how did you approach writing about some of those more difficult events and writing about what is now, even though you all lived through it, a historical event to your audience? Well, I'm very conscious of the fact that I am a, a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, writing books for young, uh, sometimes impressionable readers. And so I, I'm always very careful not to make war seem like a fun video game, but also to dispel this sort of stereotype that all the soldiers who served in the war are stricken with crippling PTSD, um, that, uh, that every moment of our time uh, in Afghanistan was about combat and misery. Uh, there was a lot of, I mean, I made this great friendship with Jawad. So there were a lot of, um, so there, there were some good things about it too. Uh, war is a, is, is a complicated thing and, uh, and enduring freedom tries to show that complication. And I would just add a bit here um, for the Afghan character. Um, we tried to give the real attitude of people when they first saw Americans and how that, that relationship and, and, and the readers will, will definitely enjoy that scene where people start, characters meet, and then they, they would definitely see how these attitudes are changing certain people. What I feel through, through our Afghan character, uh, we are trying to show uh, the readers that how the, the physical presence of uh, Americans and, and, and many other international troops not only helped in military sense, but it, it gave the chance to a whole lot of, gener- a huge generation to stand up and work uh, as, as Bahir, as, uh, as Mariam, as, as Aisha, as um, many characters in the story you would see. It's giving the chance to the people to get up and, and defend themselves and supporting them, uh, those who really uh, suffered. Uh, often on Veterans Day, I, uh, I thank Trent and, and others that I have uh, contact with on, through uh, social media. So I, I try to thank them for their service because they served for us, for our people, each and everyone, their family, their relatives, everyone who really served uh, in this Enduring Freedom mission. And, and I, I hope this book is a tribute to all those people. My guests have been Spokane-based author Trent Reedy and his Afghanistan-based co-author Jawad Arash. 
Their new novel for young adult readers, Enduring Freedom, is out now from Algonquin Books. It's based on their real-life friendship, which began during the war in Afghanistan in the early 2000s. Jawad and Trent, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. It was an honor. Without Remorse is another Tom Clancy action film, though this one wastes the talents of its lead actor, says Dan Webster in his review. It should be abundantly clear by now that it takes far more than a charismatic leading actor to make an engaging and successful film. Having a talented performer clearly helps. What would be the adventures of Robin Hood without Errol Flynn? The Wizard of Oz without Judy Garland? Fargo without Francis McDormand? Pee-wee's Big Adventure without, well, Pee-wee Herman? Less than they might have been for sure. But each of those performances was enhanced by the work of skilled directors from Michael Curtiz to Joel and Ethan Cohen to Tim Burton, good production values, and just as important, competent, intelligently conceived screenplays. So while Michael B. Jordan has proven himself to be a talented actor with roles in such films as Fruitvale Station, Black Panther, and Just Mercy on his resume, even his ability to command the screen can't help in the newest adaptation, or to be precise, reimagining of Tom Clancy's 1993 novel, without remorse, which leaves the blame for this particular pedestrian movie not on Jordan's or the late Clancy's shoulders, but on those of screenwriters Taylor Sheridan and Will Staples, not to mention those of director Stefano Salima. In this Sheridan Staples Salima version of Clancy's novel, Jordan stars as John Kelly, a Navy SEAL who, when we first meet him, is part of a team sent into the Syrian city of Aleppo. The team's objective is to find and recover a CIA operative who has been taken hostage. They do so, killing a number of people in the process, all of whom, Kelly and the others subsequently discover, are members of the Russian military. Uh Uh-oh. Three months later, we know this because the time frame is emblazoned across the screen, we watch as one by one members of Kelly's team are killed. The mayhem extends even to Kelly's wife, played ever so briefly by Lauren Gordon. Though Kelly himself, despite being severely wounded, manages to kill all the attackers who've invaded his home, save for one. This is the point at which the script departs from anything closely resembling reality. Through the efforts of his superior, Lieutenant Commander Karen Greer, played by Jody Turner-Smith, Kelly, miraculously healed from his multiple gunshot wounds, discovers the identities of the three men he killed, but not the fourth. He then goes after the Soviet diplomat who issued passports to the attackers, and in a supremely visual yet totally implausible sequence involving a flaming car, gets the information he needs, and then, bang, bang, the diplomat too ends up dead. Kelly, though, emerges unscathed and ends up in jail. It isn't long, though, before he is able to spring himself by negotiating with a sketchy CIA agent, played by Jamie Bell, and Secretary of Defense Thomas Clay, played by Guy Pierce. His bargaining chip, the name and location of the fourth man, a former Russian Special Forces member named Viktor Rykov, who is hiding back in his home country. And the implausibilities just keep coming. They include Kelly, showing no ill effects from his recent wounding, fighting off a platoon of correctional officers who invade his jail cell. Secretary Clay approving both a secret Halo-type mission to kidnap Rykov and allowing Kelly to tag along, a massive shootout in the streets of Murmansk that resembles a typical Call of Duty video mission, 
and an eventual climactic unmasking of a traitor whose patriotic ardor is fueled by old school Cold War fever. At least the screenwriters got that Clancy attitude right. The author never did trust those giving orders. It's impossible not to compare without remorse to other far better adaptations of Clancy's work. John McKiernan's 1990 film, The Hunt for Red October, for example, or Philip Noyce's two efforts, both starring Harrison Ford, 1992's Patriot Games, and then 1994's Clear and Present Danger. We might even include the recent Amazon Prime series, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, starring John Krasinski. Part of what makes those films so good is obviously the casting of such actors as Ford, Krasinski, Sean Connery, James Earl Jones, Ann Archer, and so on. Even more important, though, are the filmmakers themselves, not just the directors, but screenwriters such as Oscar winners Donald E. Stewart and Steven Zalian, not to mention everyone else from the cinematographers to the production designers to the gaffers and best boys. Without remorse, director Solomon has his own credentials, having directed, among other things, 2018 Sicario Day of the Soldado and 10 episodes of the Italian crime series Gomorrah. But his talents, like those belonging to Jordan, are just not enough to overcome the ration of ridiculous that Sheridan Staples put on the page. For Spokane Public Radio, I'm Dan Webster. Movies 101 host Dan Webster writes about movies and more for Spokane7.com. Movies 101 airs Friday evenings at 6.30 here on KPBX and is available as a podcast from our website, spokanepublicradio.org, where you can also find this program, Northwest Arts Review. One significant casualty of the year of COVID was Music Fest Northwest in its traditional form, that included select young musicians coming to our KPBX studio to play or sing on air. Keeping at least the spirit of that tradition alive, our May Kids concert focused on young performers, specifically on musicians from four families, in a program of music and conversation called Sibling Revelry, hosted by Vern Windham. Over the next four weeks, Northwest Arts Review presents highlights from sibling revelry, beginning with the Girgis family sisters, Sarah, Ava, and Hannah. We've known you as a piano duo for a few years now, I think. What's the name of your duo? It's Sole Deo Gloria. And you've played for us on a couple of occasions. When you first started playing, was it just... Why not, just for fun, or what made you start playing piano duos together? Well, we decided that it would be fun to start playing a piano duo, but once we got together, we found that we had this connection, Mm -hmm. and so we decided to just make it serious and start competing, and we really enjoyed it. And speaking of competing, what's a thing or two you've done in terms of a competition? So we have entered MTNA here in Washington, and we have entered twice, and we've gone to nationals both times. And it's really fun competing with Sarah. It's always rewarding to learn duet pieces together and to be able to accomplish things, especially since it's harder with two people playing on the piano. It's always a lot of fun competing with her. And now our piano duo of Sarah and Ava Girgis turn to a real showpiece, the Allegro from Capustin's Sinfonietta, Opus 49.
Pianist Sarah and Ava Girgis playing the Allegro from Capustine's Sinfonietta, Opus 49. We also meet the Girgis family violinist, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hi. Glad to have you here. How do you fall age-wise between Sarah and Ava? I am two years younger than Sarah and a year older than Ava okay. in the middle. <laughs> do you also play piano somewhat? I do. Okay. I do still play piano a little bit. But I gather there was a time in your life when viola took over. Yes, there was. There was a time in my life when I realized, you know, maybe piano's not for me. And so I picked up the viola and it was just, I just realized this is it. This is what I want to do. It, it was amazing. Did you actually start on viola or did you do I a little bit not. of violin? I started on violin for a little bit and then I heard the viola and I, I just immediately knew that's what I want to do. So I switched from violin to viola. Is it the sound? Is it the role in music? What about the viola is so wonderful for you? I guess it's a little of both for me. The sound, the deeper sound than the violin, that's just beautiful to me. I love hearing that. And the music that we get to play, uh, a lot of different music. It's just beautiful the way the viola can interpret it different than the violin. So, joined by her sister Sarah as pianist, Hannah and Sarah Girgis will play the Brahms Hungarian dance in G minor. Thanks for listening to Northwest Arts Review. I'm Jim Tevenin. Help today came from Chris Massini and Vern Windham, Trent Reedy and Jawad Arash, Dan Webster, and the Girgis family, especially our performers, Sarah, Ava, and Hannah. Please join us again next week for another Northwest Arts Review. <laughs>